Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, I want to uh, just take a moment. I know that uh, this weekend is, is one of a lot of gatherings, families, and people coming to the beach, but could we stand? I want to honor um, those who have served in the military who have actually given their lives. Uh, this, was, this goes back, obviously, from the foundation of our nation. There are those who, and I think today the statistics are only about 1% of the population actually serves. So, but there are those who stand in places that um, there's a great deal of darkness, and we want to thank and honor those who've given their lives. Uh, the man I'm named after, Lieutenant McVeigh, Tom McVeigh was killed in Korea, my dad's friend. Um, and uh, my father was so taken by his friendship and loss that uh, my mom and, and dad decided to name me after him. He was a warrior. He was wounded three times, killed finally the third time when... Uh, Communism at that point was overrunning, and today you would not have South Korea if it would not have been for the sacrifice there. 56,000 men and women were killed in that police conflict, right? My uh, grandson serves there, and he's been serving for over a year now in South Korea in the Air Force. He just got home on leave, has been away from my my granddaughter and uh, my great-granddaughter and his wife for over 13, 14 months back and forth. So there's a sacrifice that you see. The men that I served with and some of those I saw in the Navy uh, and submarines, you know, they'll deploy for three months. Families don't even know where they're at. And they sit off and they protect this nation and we're unaware. So it's time to reflect for a moment. There are those who have given a great sacrifice. So let's just bow our heads and we thank the Lord Lord, we know that you hate war, that it was never your desire. Matthew 5, it talks about blessed are the peacemakers. So we come against conflict, and we know that our nation has not done things well in the past. There's no nation that has. But there are those who serve honorably with integrity, and they have paid an ultimate price. So we thank you for the freedoms that we now share as a result of some of the sacrifices they've made. In the midst of all that conflict and confusion and what's right, what's wrong, you know the truth. And you know the integrity of a man or woman's heart. And it also says no greater love than this that one would lay down his life for his friends. So we honor this weekend, Lord, all those who serve, those who have given the sacrifices, those mothers, fathers, and children who don't have that loved one with them this weekend. And we thank you, Father, In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. Um, There's so much going on. It's like, it's really hard in the midst of all. So Friday night, how many were here Friday night? I mean, it was like, it's it's loud, it's chaotic, it's beautiful, it's, yeah, and there there will be those that uh, say, man, is that God? You'll know it by its fruit. Amen. There were people saved Friday night. We prayed for those who have been de- demonized, and they're getting set free, hearts being changed. And there is such a, so you, remember Jesus said, you'll know it by its fruit. So, and then he warns in, in Revelation, he just, you know, well, he warns many times, but I'm thinking of also in Matthew chapter 12. If you're uncomfortable with what you're seeing, 
Be careful not to open your mouth. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom and discernment. There's a scripture there. Jesus cast a demon out of a man who can't speak and can't see. And the religious folks said, well, he must be the prince of demons. That's how he has the power to do this. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, word of knowledge, we're going to teach on that. Uh, word of knowledge says, knowing their thoughts, he says, let me ask you about your exorcist who cast demons out of people. And he says, so what, so what are they? They can't answer that. Then he says, um, when the kingdom of God, when, when a darkness leaves a person, the kingdom of God has come because he's the prince of peace and light always wins in the darkness, right? I love this example. If you walk into a, a dark room and flip the light switch on, you don't go, what's the matter with the darkness? No, what you say was, what's the matter with the light, right? And so Jesus saying, look, when the darkness flees, the kingdom of God has come among you. Right? And so, greater is he. And he talks about the strong man, that whole teacher. We're going to get into this in many, for many weeks on Wednesday night, starting uh, a week after, when is it? This week we're going to do the prophetic. Then Mary Esther's going to do quantum faith. And then we're going to take three or four weeks in deliverance. Because based on what we're seeing, we've got to get equipped on this. If you've been with us on mission trips, uh, you know that. You'll face up against some stuff. And it's here. Right? And so when Jesse puts out a word, Jesse and Parker Green, if you're suicidal, if you're depressed, it's a come. It's like, okay, yeah. So, so being equipped, I don't want you to see, the first time you see something like that, I don't want you to freak out. I want you to know there's greater. So finishing Matthew 12, he says, be careful that you don't attribute the things of death and darkness and Satan to the kingdom of God. He warns you about being critical of the Holy Spirit's move. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not God. You are not God, right? And he, so that's just a warning place because I've had people call up, well, is that God, Pastor? I said, I don't know, let's see what the fruit looks like. Now, it's obvious sometimes, you know, person's there banging their head and foaming at the mouth. That's not, probably not God, right? But, so just be at peace and if you're looking for nice, quiet, peaceful, it's probably not gonna be in the tent on Friday night. Um, now, I'm not opposed to peace. Uh, there's a place where reverence, you know, that's, there's a moment for all of that, really. I, you know, get in the quiet place. But something happens, and we've been seeing it every week now, when, and, and Jesse will challenge you. She did, she challenges, and there were many that told me Friday night, she got up and said, there's something blocking. What's hindering and blocking? I had someone call me, we talked, and says, I've had this thing for weeks, I just can't seem to, and it, there was a breakthrough. And being challenged in that, what's holding you back? Is it religion? Is it what? What is it? Is it darkness, unforgiveness? But asking the Lord to show you what that is is really important. And so something happens in that. When you're around the baptismal tank, and the, I mean, there's so much stuff going on. We got blind eyes being prayed for over here, person being set free over here, this person being led to Christ. It's like, yay. It's like, it's like, so. But I had uh, just some beautiful experiences. Someone would, actually, someone that my daughter Sarah and I had done deliverance on a couple weeks ago came up and said, Pastor, can I confess? I didn't tell you everything I should have told you, and, 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 and it's been a wonderful week, but so boom. It was like God just, the conviction that's happening. It's happening. It's powerful. Okay, I want to, um, you, I want to, if you've been coming consistently, you know a few weeks ago, we looked at the dangerous road to revival. Yeah. This is the Ananias and Sapphira moments that happen, Acts chapter five, right? If you lie to the Holy Spirit in the midst of that, 
The same person who lied to Christ three times and de- or lied about Christ, denying him, Peter is the one that delivers the message to Ananias and Sapphira, and they're both killed. How would you like that service? It says, great fear came over. That one, the husband dropped dead for lying to the Holy Spirit, then the wife dropped dead for, like, great fear came over the congregation. You think? Yeah. Yipes. It's like, so there's a, there is a, it's not the same place when you're in the midst of revival. Then last week, we looked at the church being made ready. There's a readiness in the church. He's coming. He's coming. And he, he is. He, whether he comes in this region and does what's been prophesied over North and South Carolina, which we believe that when you have multiple, multiple prophetic words given over, over a lot of years, right? Amos says he doesn't do anything. He doesn't first tell the prophets. That's coming. It's going to be a sweeping across this nation. I'm being electrocuted right now. So, this, so that means amen. And so... So church is being made ready. The question is, are we being made ready? So this week, um, I was actually going to have Lisa preach, and the Lord just just like gave me this word on, I was praying, and said, Lord, what do you want to do? And and he gave me this fear of the Lord word on Monday morning. And I called her, I said, Lisa, I think I got it. And it's been reading me all week. I've I've been sharing even with my wife some things that, um, maybe I need to deal with, with people, the circumstances of the past. It's like people who have wounded you and hurt you. Did I really forgive them? <laughs> and then, you know, somebody mentions their name, <laughs> and it's like, nah, not done yet. I think one of the deliverance guys, Neil Anderson, says, we're not bananas. You know, one peel and you're done? No, your, la- your layer's like an onion. There's one layer. Yeah, I've forgiven. Yeah, really. Okay. So one of the things we do in prayer ministry, we said if you're in the midst of high praise worship and the person who's wounded you in the past comes and stands by you and your worship goes, you are not done yet. Okay. And so I've been there many times. And so pray for me. Thank I Pray. Okay. So this morning, this is going to make some people uncomfortable. And I love it, the fact that he's a prince of peace and he brings peace to the uncomfortable but he also makes the comfortable unpeaceful, right? So this, I'm just, I won't apologize in advance because it's the word, but let me, let me start by just saying, Lord, we ask you to give revelation of your truth and speak to every heart here and those listening now or in the future, God, as we look at the scriptures of truth, your truth is what sets us free. So you want to take us deeper, and it's part of the revelation of preparation during this dangerous road towards revival, the church being made ready for the coming soon king. And then, Lord, we want to be ready, each individually. So I pray, hide me, hide, hide me, Lord, behind the cross this morning in Jesus' name. So kind of set the context for you all. Um, how many of you have ever been evaluated before? Evaluated? Eva- let me help you. Have you ever had a report card? Amen. Okay. Uh, work evaluation. Amen. Okay. Um, how well you cleaned your room. Okay, that's good. How well you did the dishes. All right. Um, how well you cooked the family meal. That was delicious, Mom. That was awesome, right? Um, how fast you were driving when you got the speeding ticket. Nobody, no, oh, few hands got, look at this truth will be, right, okay. Um, how well you did on your diet? Uh, yeah. 
Or you're playing for, so hey listen. So what is the basis of this evaluation? What is the kind of the boundaries of that evaluation? Well let's take a look at this, we're gonna, this is going somewhere. In a sporting event, it's the rules of play. Did you stay in bounds, right coach? No, he had his foot on the outbound, he was out of bounds, right? Um, you can't do pass interference. You can't rough the passer. Can't have helmet to helmet contact. There's penalties along with all that and someone's sitting there judging and even when it's a close call, the instant replay comes up and they look at it back and forth, it's like, no, and then you have somebody in the booth, either in New York, make the final call, no, that's, that's out of bounds, it doesn't work, doesn't, you're not getting it. So there's, in a sporting event, we understand that. You gotta play by the rules. Well, I, what if I don't wanna play by the rules? <laughs> you don't play, you get benched, right? Right, okay. How about in a courtroom? There is a severity. If you've been charged with something, whether it's a crime, the fact that, so far, what happened? Who saw it? There's a judge, there's a jury, there's lawyers. They review, they determine whether there's acquittal, innocence, or punishment. And then there's a severity to the punishment. So all of this, welcome to life. There's an evaluation. But guess what? Welcome to the kingdom. There's so much in the natural is a projection of what he shows us, right? Look at a father and a family with the kids, right? And mother, there's something about family that he talks about family, he uses that, right? So the same is true here. And so if you've ever been working in a business, I remember, Brian will know this from GE, right? If you get your annual performance appraisal, so they sit down with the boss and says, hey, you did this good, this good, you need a little improvement here, tweak that, and, and if you're not doing well, then you get what's called a PIP, a performance improvement program, where you sit down and you, they say, this is what you gotta do to improve. Now that's not a fun moment, is it? It's kind of an anxious moment where you sit before the boss and he says, I like this, but I don't like this. And uh, it's all intended to increase your performance, to be better on the team. So that's what the scriptures do for us, right? The word of God's full of living power and it's able to discern the intentions in your heart. So this is, um, you've heard this before, it's the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth book. This is what you need to know to look at yourself in the evaluation. And so those who say, well it's not God, it's not Buddha, it's a bunch of stories, No, go do some studies on the Dead Sea Scrolls and what they found there, hallelujah. Okay, so let me ask you, let's turn, let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter five. And let's begin in verse one. I'm gonna skip around, I've got both This is a parallel Bible, so I've got the King James on one side, which is the word-for-word translation from the 1600s, and then I have the New Living Translation, which is the thought-for-thought translation, and I like to look at both, it helps me. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter five, Paul is describing to the church at Corinth, they were, of all the churches, they were pretty messed up, and he did a lot of instruction, which was real helpful for us. Verse one, 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, 
made for us by God himself and not by human hands. That reminds me of a joke. Let me, where's Pat? Is she here? Pat's not here? She'd be already given the woes for that. Okay, so that, you understand from John 14, right? It says, Jesus said, it's, I'm going away, and they said, well, where are you going? And they have this whole interchange, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come get you, right? In my, ha- my father's house are many rooms, many mansions or home. So, okay, so this particular day, this pastor and a New York City taxicab driver, they both die on the same day. And they, they end up at the pearly gates with Peter. And he welcomes them and says, come on in, you know, I'm gonna take you to your mansion. So we're gonna go to the taxi cab driver's mansion first. So the pastor and the taxi cab driver are together and as they're going down, they see all these amazing mansions like, whoa. And the, Peter says, taxi cab driver, this is yours. He gets and he goes in, it's like, whoa. So the pastors, they're like, whoa, taxi, I'm, I've been a pastor my whole life. <laughs> Imagine my man, my mansion's gotta be big, right? So they keep driving, and as they're driving, they're getting smaller houses, smaller houses, smaller houses, and they get down to like the really, you know, the part of heaven. I know this is not biblical, just go with me. So anyway, so (laughs) just go with me, there's a principle here, right? And so the pastor's going, we must be going in the wrong direction here. And then finally Peter pulls over and says, there's yours, and he looks at this one room shack. He goes, Peter, there's gotta be something wrong. He goes, no. We judge by fruit. When that taxi cab driver drove people throughout New York City, they were scared for their life and they prayed and some of them even got saved. (laughs) But when you preached, people fell asleep. So, okay. Let it not be so, Lord. But the point of this is there's a reward process for fruit. So what Paul's saying here is he's looking forward to his house in heaven. Let's go on. Talks about putting on an earth suit that is not gonna stay with us, but then we give it over and we have a heavenly suit. So he goes on and says, verse six, so we're always confident even when we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and would rather be away from these earthly bodies for there will be a home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Is the goal to please him? I often pray, Lord, let my heart be to please you. Look at verse 10, this is the operative. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. Now the King James says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In the Greek, that's the bima, B-E-M-A, and it means the judgment seat. It still talks about, almost like in a sporting arena in the, Old, in the Old Testament when they were doing this, even in the Roman Empire time, the bima seat was the judgment seat done. It would be kind of the, uh, those that are making judgments on the call for those who are playing in the game. And so it says, we all must appear before Christ's judgment seat that everyone may receive the things done in his body, his body, according to that which has been done, whether it was good or bad. Let's keep going. Let's take a look at Romans. Turn to the left and look at Romans 14 for a moment. 
In Romans 14, verse one, this, my Bible titles this in the New Living as the danger of criticism. Boy, if there is anything that we need to pull back on as a bunch of people, we get critical about politics, people, People tell me, well, I had this discussion with a person the other day, well, what's the difference between discernment and criticism? There's a big difference. Um, one is about the intention of your heart, but when, it, it, yes, we are to have wisdom to discern good and evil, right? In fact, we know from uh, Hebrews 5.14, I share this often, mature believers have trained themselves to discern through their senses good and evil, right? So pay attention. When you walk into an environment, you feel slimed or there's darkness, pay attention. So there is that discernment for wisdom, right? But then there's this critical spirit that is rampant in the nation. That's why the nation is torn torn so far apart right now. You can't even disagree without getting so vile. Some of our folks that are standing on the lifelines for 40 days for life, it is vile what is going on. The enemy's just, anyway. So there's this place where be careful of criticism. Verse one, Romans 14, one. Accept other believers who are weak in the faith. Wow. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, He gives examples here. If you're battling or fighting with other believers and it's gotten to the point where you're not conveying truth, you're just trying to win them over to your argument and there's an angry side of it. There's one thing about telling the truth and there's another thing telling the truth in love, right? You love to tell the truth? Great. Well, how about doing it with love? That works better. And so the Lord will give you wisdom as to what to share and when to share strategically. So he goes on and says, he gives an example. They were arguing about whether you should eat food dedicated to idols or not. Then they were talking about those who celebrate certain holy days and those who do not. And he goes, don't, don't do that. Don't judge people. Verse five, Romans 14, five. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another and others think that they're all alike. You should be equally convinced that whatever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day to honor, those who eat certain kinds of food, just... Don't get all upset about that. In verse eight, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for every purpose to the Lord be both for the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess to the praise of God. Yes, verse 12, each of us will give a personal account to God, so stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. All right, let's keep going. Look at your handout for a minute. Right there in the middle, those are the two scriptures I just shared out of 2 Corinthians 5 and, and then in Romans 14. But the Greek and the English, that word judge has two senses. The one sense is condemnation and the other sense is rewards. This is the example I gave of the courtroom and the sporting event. Think of it this way. 
Um, unbelievers we know are gonna be judged in condemnation. If you do not believe in Christ, you are going to an eternal hell. Scriptures clearly talks about that in heaven, in the scriptures. He also talks about heaven. So those who say, well, there's too much of a loving God, he'd never send anybody there, I don't know what books you're reading. If you reject Christ, which was the answer given that all men might live, so this idea that unbelievers are going, no, they're, 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 we know where they're going. That's why Thursday nights are such an important night. Go out, evangelize, evangelize every week, right? Take that opportunity. So unbelievers will be judged in condemnation while believers will be judged for rewards. Scripture there is Romans 8.1. There is no, there is none. There, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Some say belong to Christ. That's why I love that song. Abba, we belong to you? Yeah. If you belong to Christ, if you've been marked, if you've been written in the Lamb's book, it's, you have the Holy Spirit within you. The Lord knows who you are. The devil does too. When the devil, when we're on mission trips or wherever, and the devil starts growling at you, it's the same example when Jesus walks in the temple before he even revealed who he was, and the demon says, why have you come here, son of God, to torment us before our times? Shh, quiet. Shut up, devil. Don't tell him that. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> you know? What's the point? You've been marked by heaven. That's why when the eastern sky splits wide open and he says to his angels, go get my kids. And he gathers them. What a, what a day that's going to be, right? It's going to be a day of woo and, and it'll be a day also that, you know, you get there, it's like, you made it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> there has to be grace. You made it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Talks like you, we're pretty critical, something going on. Yeah, anyway, so we know that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But in this, think of it this way, once we're in the kingdom, we belong to Abba. It's like, think of it this way, and here's another analogy. Those who work to get to the Olympic Games, you know what they go through, right? Oh, my years, you ever study some of the things, right? Years and years, of, they make it to the Olympic team. Then they make it to the Olympic Games, right? Well, what? Not everybody gets the gold. Not everybody gets silver. Not everybody gets bronze. Not everybody even finishes. Amen? How'd you like to work out for years and wipe out, right? And it's like, whew. So there's that place, but, but you made it to the Games. <laughs> you're on the Olympic team. So turn to your neighbor and says, you're on the Olympic team if you're a believer. <laughs> Amen? So you made it to the Olympic team, and this is really awesome. You've worked hard to get there, right? We're going for the gold, and yeah, okay. So let's look at, look at what happens at the judgment seat. Look at number one there. What happens at the judgment seat of Christ? Let me just clarify for you. There are two judgments that are uh, identified in Scripture. There's the judgment of the dead. That's the great white throne judgment that happens in the book of Revelation. Those, and who are the dead? You're either alive or dead right now. If you believe in Christ, you're alive. But as far as the kingdom says, if you don't love Christ, you don't know Christ, you're already dead. But you're already alive in eternity if you belong to him. And we have trouble with that, but that's what it says. You're already seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, Ephesians says, right? So you're alive in Christ, right? You're gonna live forever in Christ. That ought to, like, wow. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, you know, you're, you're on the Olympic team and you're gonna live forever. Like, Wow, if that doesn't bless you, your blesser's broken, right? 
And so, so let's, let's look at what happens to those and what happens at the judgment seat. Number one, God will reward all the actions of believers. Let's look at some scripture. Matthew 16, turn with me there. Matthew 16. Some of these scriptures are pretty sobering. We like grace, grace, grace. I like grace too. But he's both a God of grace and severity. And there's a time when he says it's over, it's over. Matthew 16, let's look at verse 24. He had just asked Peter, who do, you, who do they say I am? And Peter has this amazing revelation. He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, my father revealed that to you. And then he starts to profess to the disciples what's gonna happen. They're gonna kill him. They're gonna put him on a cross. And, and so, he, you know, of course, Peter doesn't like that. You know that, get behind me, Satan part. But look at verse 24 in this context. Then Jesus says to his disciples who are now just heard this prediction of what's gonna happen to him, which has probably got to have unsettled them. Can you, you gave up your fishing business, you gave up your tax collecting, but you gave up your life to follow him. And now he says, by the way, the end of my journey here is death on a cross. Peter's like, no. Yeah. And then he gets rebuked. So then he goes on to teach this, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross and follow me. You try to hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what will it benefit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth, is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. And they did when they saw the resurrected Christ and the ascension. It's like, I think the kingdom has come. It's here and not yet. So there is gonna be a reward and there's gonna be a judgment, but there's something about laying down selfish ways and taking up an instrument of death to follow him. Gotta die to yourself. That's the only way you can kill selfish ways, right? It's the only way, you, gotta, you just gotta die to yourself. And Let's look at the next one. Believers, number two, believers will not be judged for sin. They've already been forgiven. The destiny of believers has been settled. I love this, let's turn to, let's look at John chapter five. So go to the right, turn to John five. And we'll begin in verse 24. Well, actually, I like, well, I like this whole chapter. Hey. What the context of this, I won't read the whole thing. The context of this is Jesus had just healed a lame man. Uh, he broke the rules on the Sabbath. You're not supposed, remember the, the Jewish rules where you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath? So he heals a man on the, you know, it's like, and they come after him. And now they want to kill him, actually. They're plotting to kill him. And so he claims to be the son of God. And let's pick up with, um, let's look at 
Verse 24, I tell you the truth, red letter, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe, there's a lot of listeners, but how many are believers? Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you the time is coming, indeed is now here, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted the same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised, indeed the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of this God's Son, and they will rise again, and those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued to do evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me and is not my own will. Again, just, it doesn't get any clearer than that. There's no, there's no mixing of words. If you believe and you follow Christ, you will never be judged for your sins. Now I realize there are those who say, well, we've had that debate, right? Once saved, always saved. Can you lose salvation? We, we've done that exercise. How many believe that on this side? Present your arguments. We did that right on Wednesday. It's like, the truth is, if don't try not to be with Christ. If you're with Christ and believe him and you're following him, celebrate, you will not be judged for your sins. That's the good news. Now, you will be judged for your works. Let's look at this, okay. The judgment seat of Christ is to reward the believers, number three, for faithful service. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter three. You guys getting a, lots of Bible today, right? It's good. You gotta, hey, if it's not in the Word, you can challenge it, but if it's in the Word, guess what? You're gonna be held to it. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter three. Let's begin in, well, I love it all. Let's begin in verse 12. No, let's begin in verse 10. I like that better. 1 Corinthians 3.10, so it says, Because of God's grace to me, this is Paul talking, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are in the building upon it, but whoever is building on this foundation, remember he's called the cornerstone, he's the foundation stone, right? He's the capstone, many scriptures talk about. So if anyone is building on this foundation, must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already having Jesus Christ. This a whole idea that you can change the scriptures, right? Those that are coming out that saying Christ is really wasn't born of a virgin and the scriptures are just stories, that is being professed in places, you know, that's the great falling away that Paul warned Timothy about. Don't build on some other foundation or you're gonna be in real deep trouble. So this, let's stick to the word. It says, so anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, Silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw? Wow. 
But on the, when, we're in, when we're in our churches in Nepal, it's amazing. When we built uh, churches, even in Mozambique, they, they come and they put bamboos together and they take pieces of uh, rubber tire and they lash the, the bamboo together and they stick rocks in it, capture all these rocks from the rivers, and then they take concrete and they throw it. And it, man, it, it'll stand up. It's really good. We built two houses for our missionaries in Mozambique there in, in Pemba. But in, in Nepal, they do it differently. In the mountains in Nepal, up in the Himalayas, they have this like red clay. And so they have a, gra- we were up there. One of our pastors, we were at his church. We killed the buffalo, brought all the people in. And we had this big party and the Hindus got saved. It was awesome. That, I was looking at the pastor's house. It's, it's all hay, like you would see in a village, maybe in some places in inner Africa, like we've seen, right, Miss Addie? And so you got the hay roof, and then they've got red mud, clay. The problem is when the rainy season comes, the walls fall apart. Your house melts. And so what he's saying here, what foundation are you building upon? You can build it out of hay, wooden stubble, but when the test comes, it may not stand. So he warns us here, he says, don't you realize this? He says, some can build with gold, silver, hay, But then it says, each builder's work, verse 13, but on the the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. Remember the context of this, you're already saved, and he's talking about building on Christ carefully. The builder will be saved, but like something barely escaping through the walls of the flames. Barely saved. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys the temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are the temple. Goes on and talks about defiling the temple in the King James. If you think about this, if someone in another denomination, congregation, is preaching false doctrine, they are building on a foundation that is not of Christ, right? And actually, you're defiling the word of truth. And whether they're deceived, demonized, confused, so that's why we have to be really careful. One, I started with don't be critical. So we don't want to criticize the body of Christ, but we have to discern what's true and what's not. And defilement is, once you get to, what does Leif Hetland tell us, right? The problem with deception is you don't know you're deceived. That's a big problem. You think you're right. It's the Laodicean church. We're rich, we're powerful, we can see. No, you're actually naked, blind, and wretched. Boy, you talk about deception. They've got everything. We've got everything. That's how I worry about the church in our nation where we have so much. How much word is put out and yet there's still. So we have to be just careful and guard our own hearts and realize you need to be careful too about how you judge. Yes, truth, truth, truth. But love, love, love. There's a real balance in the boundaries there. Lord, help us. David said, show me my heart, Lord. So the judgment seat of Christ we see is to reward believers for faithful service. Number four, some of the believers will suffer loss, but they themselves are saved. 
Number five there, there's an interesting Greek word, phaneru, (laughs) funny word. It looks to openly examine to reveal true identity. Now this is where it gets a little interesting. On judgment day, everything secret, everything that was hidden gets brought to the front. Can you imagine that? Let's take a look at a scripture here on this one. The secret acts. Jesus will reveal the secret life, everything that is hidden. So this is place, um, well, let's take a look at, take a look at Mark 4.22 for a minute. Let's go there. It's the parable of the lamp. If you have the lamp burning, you don't, when you light a, a lamp or you put a light on, you don't hide it under a bushel, right? That's not the purpose. <laughs> so he says, of course not. The lamp that is placed on a stand where it will give light to shine, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to life. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. I can't remember exactly when. I, my mom was teaching something, I, and it was like, you know, I think she shared with me, like, my recall was, you know, every thought and everything will be one day shown. I said, I'm like, oh, mama, that wouldn't be good. Yeah, it's like, can you imagine that right now, I was said, God shows us everything by screen, everything you've ever done, good, bad, and ugly. Talk about humility, right? Now, I like the part that not every thought's yours, so don't get beat up on thoughts. Remember, we've taught on that a lot in spiritual warfare. There are four avenues or four realms of thought, and unless you start meditating on those thoughts, those thoughts can come from somewhere. So you don't need to beat yourself up when a bad thought comes in. It's like, no, get behind me, Satan. All right? But if you, if you camp on it, watch out. Go ahead, Doug. The four, oh, the four realms? Yeah. My January... First January, I got a whole handout for you, I'll give you, but the four realms are Satan, the world, the heart, and the Holy Spirit. And my January scripture, we have it online, but I can get you a copy. I I give it at every prayer ministry because it's spiritual warfare. And if you'll do that, and I do it every day, that's how I I try to beat the enemy and all that stuff, so, all right. Moving right along. So everything is gonna be made known, which is gonna be interesting. Now these are the other things that get tested. Let's take a look at um, Romans 2. Guys feel like you're doing the last scripture day, right? Romans chapter two, under 5b, and we'll look at verse five. So let's go to Romans. Romans chapter two. They'll give me the context on this one. They just finished talking about homosexuality and the three kinds of people that are gonna be in Romans chapter one. Those who have given themselves over to a reprobate mind, their consciences are dead and now they teach others to do evil and he uses the example there. So it's like, that's horrible. Yeah, and then look what Paul does in chapter two. You may think you can condemn such people, ooh, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they're wicked and should be punished, you're actually condemning yourself, for you judge others, and these are the same very things. 
and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Let's pause for a minute. Sin is sin, right? We get all wound up about all kinds of impurities and ugly, and we should. It's, it's evil. But sin is sin. So if you're living in adultery, you're on pornography, and you've invited adultery into your house, or you're stealing, you're lying on your taxes, you're gossiping and you're hating, you're pulling down people, you're being racist, guess what? You're in sin. <laughs> right? And so, so you can condemn anybody you want, but you're actually putting the mirror on yourself. This is that log in your own eye, look at the speck in your brother's, right? Get your own log out. So that's where we've got to come in humility, we're like, Lord, I, man, help me, Lord. Now, yet, I still have to call out that which is evil. He says, take a firm stand against it, right? But at the same time, where's your heart in the midst of it? We've had this discussion about, well, how do you minister to people that are coming out of homosexuality, out of drug addiction, out of brokenness, or broken marriages? What, what do you, you minister to them in love, recognizing, be careful, you can, Paul says in Jude, you can fall into the same ditch if you're not careful. So be really careful when you do it, and there's ways you do it. But at the same time, pull them out, snatch them out, tell them the truth. And so... This is not self-righteousness or we've got all the truth. No, we don't. We're in process, right? He says in Philippians 1, 6, he who began the work in you is performing it until the day he comes. So, so we cooperate with him, but righteousness is a weapon, and we tell people the truth because we don't want to see them lose rewards. We don't want to see them lost. So it says examine openly the secrets, and he talks about character. So let's look here. He judges character here. Let's pick up in verse three. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think God can avoid judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Wow, praise God. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see the kindness of the intended to turn you from your sin? But because you're so stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming. King James says a day of wrath, but wrath translated is anger. God is gonna get really, really angry. When that day comes, it's like, where's the lamb? Oh no, the lion is on a full prowl. He's out. You will see his anger. When God is righteously, judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. There's the once saved, always saved crowd, doesn't like that verse. Seeking after the glory and the honor and the immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, instead lives, live the lives of wickedness. They will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil for the Jew first, then for the Gentile, but there will be glory and honor. Praise the Lord, we got to some good. There will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good for the Jew first, Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Again, is that a sobering, sobering scripture? It's a sobering scripture that ought to get us to look in the mirror and say, Lord, help me. David says, show me my heart. Well, let's push on. We're getting close here. It says, your words are gonna get judged. Oh my goodness. Every idle word, Matthew 12, every idle word 
will either acquit you or condemn you. Yipes. Our good deeds. Ephesians 6 says you're going to be rewarded for your good deeds. Attitude. Whoa. We get judged on our attitude? Okay, let's look at that one. Uh, Matthew 5.22. Attitude matters? Yeah. Where's your heart? You remember those characters in the desert roaming around? Now, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. I understand that, but... Attitude and cranky complaining about everything does not do well. Matthew 5, 22. There's actually three levels here that he talks about. And this one we really should take heart today with all the social media and all the division and everything that's going on in our country. He goes on and he teaches about this in Matthew 5, 22. What am I in? in the wrong place. And do 5... My 522, let's begin there. I say unto you, this is Jesus, red letter, that whoever is angry with his brother without cause, that's what the King James says, is in danger. New Living says it this way, but I say to you, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. King James says, if you're angry without cause, you're in danger of judgment. Does that mean I can be angry? Yeah, be angry and sin not, but there's a, there's a real line, fine line there. And whoever says to his brother, raka, which means idiot, you ever called somebody an idiot? A fool? Whoa. You're in danger of the council, or you're in danger of being brought before the court. If anyone curses someone, you're in dangers of hellfire. So if you call somebody a fool, you get angry with them, or you curse them. Now that's why those who conjure up these things when they actually project curses over us, right? I've shared on some of the Wednesday nights, some of the places we've been where the, the warlocks have come to under blood sacrifice to kill and to curse. They are in terrible, terrible trouble. <laughs> and they either find it or they get delivered, you know. So, so this is that place where I think what the Lord's trying to tell us is be careful in your judgment and be careful with the words. When you put it all together, character, words, deeds, actions, it's like I think there's a really, you've heard this before, there's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth do a lot more hearing and a lot less talking. And you'll even look wise. Proverbs says you'll even look wise when you don't open your mouth, right? And then James says, watch out. Um, your tongue can get you in real trouble. James chapter three, right? Like a burning fire. It can ruin your entire life. Families that get destroyed by opening up some mouth discussions that... You, sir. Yeah. 5.19. I warn you, unless you're righteous, no, verse 20. Um, so if you ignore the, la, the least commandments, that one, and, and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, 
unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of these teachers, the religious law, and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. You know, one of the things that we talk about is um, when you teach the word of God, you take a different test. Yeah, and so, and yet there's tests along the way. Let me, I wanna land something here, but let me finish uh, the thoughts, but I wanna talk to you a little bit about some of the spiritual warfare that I think some of you might be experiencing here before we close. So your motives, the secret private motives will be evaluated. You should correct that, that's not uh, number G, uh, G there. 5G is not Colossians, it's actually Ephesians. So that's Ephesians 3, 18, so correct that on your handout. And then 4, 1, talks about a lack of love. You'll be judged for a lack of love. And we talked about ministry that gets burned up. That is wood, hay, or stubble. So then turn the page. So the results, when you, when you pull all the scriptures together, the results for each believer will be varied. There's another correction, that should be 1 John and A. 6A is 1 John 2.28. He tells us to remain in fellowship with Christ so that you'll not be ashamed of his coming. So 6, 1 John 2.28, he says stay in fellowship with Christ. Basically stay hooked up, that's that same scripture, right? Abide in him. If you're abiding in Christ, if you're attached to the vine, right? You're a branch that's attached to the vine. If you'll stay abiding in Christ, when he returns, you won't be ashamed, right? Because remember the scripture says when he shows up, there's gonna be those like, you mean it was real, right? And it'll be those that are like, yay, he's here, right? And we celebrate him and you're ready for him. That was that be ready. The church being made ready was last week, right? So that's that place where are you ready? Are you being made ready? So there'll be this gain of the joy or the loss then there's this whole discussion in Matthew 25. Remember the, the talents? The, the, they have three sets of people that have different talents. He doesn't judge you if you only have one talent or five talents or ten, but what did you do with your talent? And if you do well with your talent, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So that, can you imagine? Get the picture of this. You will stand before him by yourself in front of him to be judged. He'll call your name. James, step forward. Tom, step forward. It's gonna be really good to have Jesus, your lawyer. Papa, he's mine, this one's mine. They're marked, yep. But then there's this, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or not so well done. Um, Yeah, there are those that were like, you weren't a good servant at all, so you really weren't. That that whole depart from me, you wicked one in outer dark. Woo, that's a tension scripture, right? Or how about the one in Matthew 7? It says, those who prophesied in my name, cast out demons in my name, did miracles. He says, I never knew you. What you did was lawless. You will be able to, I've seen this. You'll be able to use his name because he'll honor his name. But if the heart's wrong and you're doing it for wrong motive, you can lose not only your reward, get them out. That was unauthorized. You used my name, you used me, but it was unauthorized. Whew, that's another, you can look at that one in Matthew 7. It's like, but what, so I'm not trying to scare us, but I am trying to bring the fear of the Lord. Because there's no fear, God didn't give, but the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs says. So this reverential honor, it's, he's not, he's both the lion and the lamb. Right? He's full of grace and he loves his children. But 
there's things that you get. I mean, again, back to the example. When my grandkids or kids are doing well, they get rewarded. Would you like to go to Scoops and Papa will buy you ice cream? When you're not doing well, we are not going to Scoops at all, okay? <laughs> Katie knows that one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. So there's that place of position he talks about. There's rewards of given and there's honor. And all there's all scriptures. I, I wanted to not overwhelm you with scripture. Why don't you see? This is not like a light message. It's all over the scriptures. It's all over the scriptures. There are rewards coming for those who honor and honor walks with him. And so press on, run the race, receive the heavenly prize. Isn't that what he says in Philippians? I've run my race and I'm ready to receive the heavenly prize. So what's the takeaways? Look at the bottom there. Be careful not to lose your full reward. But my wife and I talked about this earlier in the week. It has to be, it's not a competition like I want to get more rewards than you. Yeah. That just doesn't feel right. No, but it's like, but recognize there's a competition. <laughs> but, so, but he's not like limited. He's got a lot of gold. He's got a lot of gold, silver, bronze, right? He can give out like many first medals, right? Right? So there's that place. Forget the worldliness of this competition thing, but it's like it has to be motivated by love. Once I, I know he loves me, why wouldn't I want to tell everybody? If I've gotten free from my drugs and my brokenness, why wouldn't I want everyone to know that, right? Come on, so it's not like, so what's the motive of my heart? Well, I'm afraid to share. Don't be afraid to share, but do it your way. We've been covering this on Wednesday night, right? It's like the lady in the shoe store, Loretta's example. I love it. Women in a shoe store, they love to talk about shoes. So you go to Walmart shoes. That's a great interview opener. Oh, those are nice shoes. So how you doing? Do you know Jesus? Yeah. So if you love God, that's the motivation of all this, right? It's not like, I want to get all I can get. No, that sounds too worldly. You know, gather all your riches and you can't take it with you. Be clear-minded and self-controlled, number two. This is a very interesting scripture. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm saved, right? Yes, you are, by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's not by works, lest anybody would boast about that. But it says, but work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Watch and pray, for he is coming to judge the living and the dead. Live holy and godly lives. Jesse shared this, and I've been meditating on the bottom of your handout there. No eye has seen and ear has not heard, nor the mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I always put that regularly in a context with, in the sweet by and by, we're gonna see some things like, woo, when we've had those near-death experiences. Remember, Pastor Terry taught on the thousand people had near-death experiences that came back, saw hell, saw heaven, undeniable. Let everything be established by two or three witnesses. You got a thousand, okay? So we know that that exists. So I was like, in the sweet by and by, I'm gonna see all these things that, wow. But she said in the tent Friday night, Jessica Green said, I'm asking the Lord to let us have things happen that no eye has yet seen, no ear has yet heard, nor it's like, that would be a revival. I think kings and queens would come and study that revival, right? That, that Derek Prince prophesied. They'll come to look at the phenomenon of it all. So, 
It's happening, it is. And we're saying, more, Lord, more, Lord. We want more. So I'm excited that God is about to do this, but I wanna just touch on two more minutes. When we start moving in this pathway, the dangerous road to revival, right, the church beam, it's not the same day. It's different. And as a result of that, the enemy is already trying to mess things. I've heard of car accidents and circumstances that just, you know, people probing sickness. That I'm not giving the enemy any, any ground here. But we recognize, the Lord says, I've, I've, I train your hands for war. So righteousness is a weapon, Corinthians tells us. Walk in righteousness. Stay in the shadow of the Most High God, Psalm 91. Daily devotions, time of prayer. Deal with your offenses, bitterness, unforgiveness. Do what the Word says, because then you stay close, right? And he'll spring the snare of the fowler in Psalm 91. So I'm aware. I had somebody walk up in the tent who does ministry and says, good Lord, what a week I've had. Dun, 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 broken windshield. Like, yeah. There's a lot of stuff happening. Assaults on marriages, deceptions, things that could happen, doctors can prescribe medication that you're not supposed to be on. Those are kind of, be careful. This is a time where we need tremendous wisdom and what looks good may not be best, right? All right, let's stand and we'll be just, I wanna invite the ministry team, you know who you are, please come forward. If you're here this morning and we've touched on anything, and it's just, even just prayer agreement, or if you're here this morning and you're not really sure if you're gonna meet the Lord in a good way, be a really great, if we're listening by live stream, we'd love to have you call in here what you're hearing and what the God is doing in your life. And then please, please come to the tent Friday nights at six o'clock this week. Uh, Joanne Moody is incredible. I've run with her, Katie, we've run with her for years in the ministry, she's a powerful woman. And so there's gonna be healings that are gonna take place this weekend that are gonna be, I think, wonderful. So the signs and wonders verify that the message is true, Mark 16. So Lord, I just pray right now, Father, as we stand before you as a body of believers, thank you for your word. Your word convicts us, it doesn't condemn us. It shows us what might be wrong, right? Second Timothy 3.16 says the word is both inspired and it shows us what we need to fix in us. We just need the Holy Spirit to show us and then we have to have self-control and the wisdom of God, all the gifts of God, wisdom, knowledge, discernment. So Lord, we thank you. Lord, I just pray, I pray a special covering. I've been really amping up my prayers over all those coming to the tent, those that are part of our body of believers, that there's a covering. It says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, Revelation 12. The blood has already answered the enemy's assaults. Now we testify. And that love relationship is so strong. We don't fear even death. So Lord, I pray right now, special covering over every family, every loved one. Lord, wherever the enemy tries to form a weapon, I love what you said in in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed, it may form. No weapon formed will prosper. In fact, it will backfire. So Lord, I pray that there would be these warriors, there's a sense, I had a sense in the tent Friday night that there was this warrior bride that was being so convicted of her 
identity in Christ, there was a fearless, there was a moment in worship that we, I can't remember, it wasn't during Yeshua, it was, it was God of Revival. It was there in that song, God of Revival. And I just saw this picture in my mind of this fierce warrior bride that was standing for Christ, not ashamed at all, come on, and taking back the ground for their, re- leaving the rewards for their, for their loved ones, Jesus. God, I just pray that you'd release such an anointing that breaks every yoke. And we are not ashamed of the gospel. God, I ask that this week there'll be people brought into eternal life as a result of the testimony of those that are here. So I thank you, Lord. I ask for more dreams and visions. People are getting dreams and visions that are so encouraging. God, I thank you that the wave of your glory is coming. The wave of your glory is coming. We thank you, Father. We give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. Enjoy the holiday. Remember, no kingdom men or women tomorrow night meetings. We'll be back. Wednesday night, we'll be here dealing with the prophetic. What is the revelation of the prophetic? We need that. And then, God, we thank you. Thursday night, evangelism. Friday night, the tent. Woohoo! Doesn't get any better. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs>